Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Turn Evangelism Podcast with T.S. Myers. Our prayer is that this message impacts your life. If it does, let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and let us know how God used this message to influence you. If you would like to follow our ministry, we would love for you to go to turnevangelism.com and check us out. But I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited that you guys brought me in and I want to see God do something in your life. I want to see the Holy Spirit work here. And if He's going to do something in your life, you got to let Him. It's not just going to happen. You got to stop working and you got to let God work. The theme of this week is is stop, look, and listen, right? And sometimes in our lives, if we actually want to experience God, we have to let Him do His thing in our lives. We need to let Him be the Lord, and we need to come to Him as humble servants. You know, part of being in right relationship with God is not simply having your sins forgiven. It's understanding your role. You are servant. He is Lord. Having this mindset and understanding it puts Him in the position where you're giving Him authority to do a work in your life. And sometimes He sticks His finger on something and He says, hey, I don't like this in your life. It's got to go. Or maybe there's some pain in your life and He says, hey, look, I want to help you here. Are you going to let Him help you? What are you going to do with Jesus? Let's open up in a word of prayer. Lord God, thank you for allowing us to be here together. I pray that as we come before you and we gather before you and we we start to think about what it means to stop, look, and listen to you, that we would just be humbled by your presence and that you would do a work in our lives. Do a work here in these churches, Lord, that have met for this Disciple Now weekend, God. We're so grateful to be here, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, do you guys want to see revival? Do you guys want to see revival here? All right, all right. Well, let's, let's, let's just have a little bit of fun, okay? So this side of the room over here, let's say uh, this side right here, you guys, right here. You're going to say stop, okay? All right? This, this room, you guys are going to say, what are you going to say? You're going to say look. And over here, you're going to say, listen. Now, I need you guys to be extra loud, okay? Extra loud. You guys understand? All right, you guys ready? I'm going to point to you, and you're going to say the word. You ready? Stop! Are you ready? Stop! No, don't tell me to stop, okay? Come on. No, no. Look, you ready? Stop! All right. Stop! And? Woo! I think they win. Okay. That was, that was good. All right, we're going to try it again. Do you think you guys can do better? Do you guys think you can do better? All right, come on. I want to hear more from uh, my, my look section, okay? All right, I might switch. I might switch it up on you. I might go in a different order. You guys ready? All right, ready? Stop! Ooh, that was good. Oh, I've got the power. I feel so good. No, I'm just messing. All right. All right. How's the mic sounding? Is it better? Okay. Stop, look, and listen. You guys want to see revival. You got to be able to stop and listen to the voice of God. 
If you want to see revival, you got to let God work. You got to surrender. Surrender is you ceasing your work and it's letting God do something in your life. The thing is this, if we want revival in our life, even if you look at the biblical picture, sin's going to come to the surface and God's going to ask you to deal with it. And you need to be able to deal with it and let him do a work. You need to nail it to the cross. Think about the woman at the well before there was a revival that broke out there in John chapter 4. What happened? Jesus confronts her sin very lovingly. But he still confronts him. Then what happens? She goes out and she tells everyone, look at the man who's told me everything I've ever done. And there was revival in Samaria there. The whole town came out to listen to this guy. Or in Acts chapter 19, we see a revival in Ephesus. Now, some Jewish people heard about the name of Jesus and they were using him to cast out demons. And one day they came up to a demon and, and they, they were trying to cast him out of this man. And they said, you know, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but you I don't know. And the demon beat him so hard that they ran out naked. Now here's something that happened. Fear of the Lord swept the community in Ephesus. And the Bible says that those people gathered their works of sorcery, which is a sin in the Bible, right? They gathered it into the town square and they burned it. These books together were worth around 50,000 drachmas, which is a drachma is like a, a, a day's wage. My point is this. Then revival broke out and the word of God moved in power in that community. But what did they have to do? They had to agree with God about what he said. They had to stop their work. Now think about it. The sons of Sceva, the guys who were casting out demons, they weren't loving Jesus. They were using Jesus. Okay? The people who had the sorcerer's books, maybe they were going to church on Sunday, but they had the secret stronghold that, knew, that people didn't know about, or maybe they didn't know about it, but what they do, they had to bring the stronghold to the surface, they had to lay it at the feet of Jesus, and then revival broke out. They had to stop taking matters into their own hands. That's what magic is, by the way. It's you gaining power for yourself, taking matters into your own hands. And they had to let God do a work in their lives. We have a biblical picture of how revival breaks out. The problem is, we want the feelings, but we don't want to stop what we're doing. And Jesus needs to be Lord. We need to be able to stop, we need to look, and we need to listen. Now, there's some consequences in our life when we don't stop, and stopping is actually good, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the first part of it. We're not going to be talking about looking and listening. That'll be the next two services. But today, tonight, we're going to be talking about what it means to stop and the benefits of stopping. And I want you guys to see the benefits of stopping, of resting, of taking a break, and letting God do something in your life. Stop what you're doing. Did you know that a horse can run so hard that its heart explodes? True story. It can work himself to death. This is not something that God wants for you. And what are you going to do when you work yourself to death, thinking if I just do a little bit more, if my good would just outweigh my bad, it's going to be okay. 
What a, what a miserable life to live when God has given you a gift of His Son as a free gift to transform your heart and to bring you into right relationship with Him. Here's the thing. When we don't stop, when we don't stop, a few things happen. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. What happens if I don't stop? What happens if I call myself a Christian and I don't stop? And, and I want you to write these things down. So if you have your Bible, your notebook, and your pen, I want you to get them out, and I want you to write these things down tonight. When we don't stop, the first thing that happens is this, that we'll be going over is, when we don't stop and we don't consider what God wants and we start to do what we want, even in ministry, let me put it this way, when we don't stop and think, God, what do you want? Not, what do I think you want? But God, what do you actually want? We get out in front of God. And I'm going to explain what that means in a few seconds. So write that, write that down. When we don't stop, one, we get out in front of God. We get out in front of God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. So if you want to just flip there with me. Acts chapter 13. In Acts chapter 13, we see in the first few verses a church worshiping the Lord. I want you to see what's going on. Let's let's look at this church in Antioch that's worshiping the Lord. Lord. Verse 1 says this, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, who would later become Paul, okay? Now listen to what's going on here. Look at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, Maybe you're reading from like a New King James version, or maybe it's a King James. Maybe you're old school like that, but I'm reading from the NIV tonight. Verse 2 says this. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord, maybe your translation says, while they were ministering to the Lord. I want to ask you before we talk about the text, when you go to church, what's your first ministry? Who do you think you're called to minister to first? Maybe in, off the top of your head you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a children's minister in the sense that I do ministry in the children's church sometimes, or I do youth ministry, and that's the first thing that goes in your mind. Like, well, I help out with the youth group, and, and, and Pastor Scott lets me help, and so that's where I minister. Or maybe what goes on in your mind is, I just help in family ministry. I just go where I'm needed. Maybe I'll pick up chairs, and that's my ministry. Well, that's all well and good, and that's loving others. But you can't forget the first and greatest commandment is not loving others. The first and greatest commandment is to love God. The second is loving others. You're, you might be getting the heart, cart before the horse. The verse says, when they were ministering to the Lord, and I want you to understand this. Your first ministry is not to people. But when you come into the church and you act as the church, your first ministry is to God. You come in for his sake to serve him first. And then when you're worshiping him and you're praying and you're fasting, the Lord gives his church spiritual gifts 
for the people, but we don't want to get it backwards. The first and greatest commandment is to love God. Our first ministry is to the Lord and to his service. And what happens in this passage? As they're praying and they're fasting and they're ministering to the Lord, the Spirit of God speaks to the church and says, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas for the mission that I have for them. And they go out. And I guarantee you, as they're going on their missionary journey, which is a pretty famous missionary journey, they're, all, they're both going out in the power of God. They're not thinking, I think this is what God wants. They're not going out in front of God and assuming this is what God wants. But after being sure of what God wants, they go out in the power of God. And the first thing you need to ask when you think in worship to God is not, God, I really want this. The first thing you need to ask is, God, what do you want? The first thing you need to sacrifice when you come before God is is my kingdom, and you do it for the sake of his kingdom. My will, and you do it for the sake of his will. Not my will be done, God, thy will be done. I want to do what you want me to do. Our first ministry is to the Lord. We ask God, God, where do you want us to go as youth groups? Where do you want us to go? What sin do you want me to give up? What thing are you putting your finger on in my life that needs to, to go? And then when God says, this is where I want you to go, this is what I want you to do, we actually move in his power. We see the word of God spread in power in our community because we're following the scripture and we're doing God's will, God's way. I had a teacher in high school who talked about his time in Vietnam And as he was in this war, he would talk about how he would just stay behind the person in front of him. And he he was hoping that he would survive, and he did survive. And one of the promises he made to God is that if he survived, he'd go into ministry, and he did go into ministry, right? But what did he have to do? He had to stay behind the guy in front of him. But what would happen if he got out in front of that guy? He'd risk his life. He could step on a landmine or or a booby trap. He had to follow the person in front of him. If he got out in front of that person, he would risk his own life. And when we get out in front of God, we do the same thing. There's instances in the scripture where we see people getting out in front of God. Think about Abraham when he's promised his son and he becomes very old and and his wife is past childbearing age. And so he thinks, well, maybe... Well, he hasn't gotten a son yet, actually. So he says, maybe God wants me to fulfill the promise through my slave girl, Hagar. And so he has a son through Hagar named Ishmael, but this wasn't the child of the promise. In fact, in this passage, we see that Abraham himself gets out in front of God. And God corrects Abraham and he says, it's through the offspring of Sarah that I'm going to give you this promise. He's going to be the child of the promise. And we see it's through Isaac that the whole entire world is going to know the promise of God. Even in the scripture, we have instances of people getting out in front of God. Think about Moses. He was supposed to be the great liberator of Israel. But he had a heart for his people even before he fled Israel. But before he fled, what did he do? He murdered someone. He got out in front of God. It wasn't until 40 years later, until he was 80 years old, that God decided, now it's time for me to use you. And God's power did all the work. He just had to be still. We get out in front of God when we don't stop. 
and ask God, what do you want? When we don't stop, secondly, the second thing you're going to write down in your notebooks, if you have your notebooks today, is this. When we don't stop, we take our battles into our own hands. When we don't stop, we take our battles into our own hands. Psalm 46, I want, I want to read through it today with you. It's your theme verse. But I want to actually go through the passage. I want to just read through it. I want to kind of highlight some things as we go, but I want to read through it. So if you have your Bible, open to Psalm 46, and it says this, God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. Who is? We are? No, God is. An ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, life can be hard sometimes, but we have a fortress in God. When we get out in front of him, when we don't stop and let him be our fortress, we leave that protection. But we see contrasted with the earth that's full of tumult, and and we see God who's saying, I can uphold you even there. We see a contrast with this heavenly city. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Now, here's something that's repeated twice in this chapter. So pay attention to it in verse 7 and at the end of the chapter in verse 11. It says this, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When we get out in front of God and we don't stop working and let him do the work, we take our battles into our own hands, but the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see, the verse says, verse 8 says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is what God says to the nations. He says that he makes the war cease, that he's in control and ultimately he will break the bow and shatter the spear. And then he tells the nations something. He's actually telling the nations to stop and know he's God. He's saying stop and acknowledge, admit, confess that he is God and it's going to happen. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, when We all stand before God one day. At this name, every tongue is going to confess and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to say, Jesus is Lord. Every nation, every tribe is going to bow before God and be still and know who he is. But this is your God and he is with you. And when you remain in him, he is your fortress. 
And no matter what goes on, no matter what anxieties you might go through, no matter what dark valley you might be walking through, he is with you and he's your fortress. And when you stop and you rest in him and you walk with him, he is with you, he's there, he is your fortress. But when you don't stop and you take matters into your own hands, you leave the fortress. Have you left the fortress? Are you trusting in your own hands? Maybe there's something that you're trying to conjure up, the equivalent of which would be magic in Ephesus, right? Maybe you're working and you need to burn those things and say, God, it's all about you. I trust in your hands and in your work. When we don't stop, we take the battle into our own hands. Guys, sometimes sitting still is hard. Some of you might be struggling sitting still right now. Today, I flew on a plane, and my 10-month-old baby was struggling to sit still on that plane. Sitting still and stopping your works, especially for a toddler even, right? That's, that's, that's impossible. But God asks you to do it because he knows it's what's best for you. You can take matters into your own hands and leave the fortress that is God, or you can be still and stop what you're doing. And you can know that this God is going to take care of you, that he is with you. When we don't stop, we get out in front of God. When we don't stop, we take battles and matters into our own hands and we leave our fortress. And finally, when we don't stop, if you have your pens, I want you to write this down. We find no rest. Did this message draw you closer to God, or did you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior today? We want to hear about it. Let us know by going to turnevangelism.com forward slash connect and fill out the form at the bottom of the page and tell us what God did in your life through this message. Also, if you would like to bring T.S. Myers out to do ministry with your church or organization, send us a message on our website, turnevangelism.com. Thank you for joining us for this message from Turn Evangelism with T.S. Myers.